This is Vermont Edition. I'm Michaela Lafrac. Today, our goal is to make you hungry, specifically for syrup. Later in the show, we'll learn about a Marshfield company that makes syrup from lots of different types of trees, from maple to birch to walnut. But first, as anyone familiar with this region knows, the idea that there are four seasons in a year is actually a little bit off. In our part of the world, there are six, and each season comes with its own special harvest. That's the premise of Gazina Bullock Prado's new cookbook, My Vermont Table, Recipes for All Six Seasons. Bullock Prado is a chef, a TV personality, and a baking instructor based in White River Junction. That's where she joins us from today. Welcome back to the show, Gazita. Thank you for having me, Michaela. And we're also, we're going to be talking about a lot of seasonal recipes this hour. This being sugaring season, we're going to focus a lot today on syrup. And listeners, we want to hear your favorite ways to use maple syrup in your kitchen. We know you have ideas. You can give us a call at 800-639-2211 or send an email to vermontedition at vermontpublic.org. Now, Gazina, I want to set the tone for our conversation with a clip from one of my favorite movies, Elf. Uh, It stars Will Ferrell, who thinks he's a Christmas elf, and in this scene, he is eating dinner with his family. Can you pass the maple syrup, please? I I didn't put it. It's spaghetti. You know what? I think I have something. Yes. You like sugar, huh? Is there sugar in syrup? Yes. Then yes. <laughs> I, I love that clip. That's kind of how I am at home, I think. Uh, does that track with your experiences with syrup at all, Gazina? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I travel. I do travel with syrup. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like the Vermont uh, equivalent of Beyonce's hot sauce in her bag. <laughs> Gotta have it. Well, My Vermont Table is your seventh book. It is beautiful. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. And your other books focus mostly on pastries, uh, but this book has has lots of pastries and baked goods, but also a lot of savory recipes. Why did you decide to venture into the world of non-baking recipes? Well, I I am an avid cook, and when I made uh, my television show, Baked in Vermont, It was a combination of both my baking life and my baking school and my cooking life. And I got a great response from fans of the show who responded to the way I both bake and cook and asked for more. And a lot of people asked for specifically for me to put it in a book. And I thought I would really love to do that. And then the publisher came to me and asked the same. And I thought, kismet, if everyone's asking, or some people are asking, (laughs) and I want to do it, then by all means, I should really do this. Yes. Well, I'm so glad you did. I've loved flipping through this book with our producer over the past couple of weeks ahead of this conversation. And you know, since we are talking uh, maple sugar, it being sugary in season. There are, there are obviously lots of sweet recipes in this book, and I'll get to those, but I really love the the kind of savory sweet recipes that you include in here. Could you, could you maybe talk us through one that uh, includes maple syrup but is actually more on the savory side? Well, you know, first, as we mentioned before, I look at maple as both the wonderful sweet beauty that it is, but also as a very subtle seasoning. So I use um, uh, salt, obviously acid, sometimes a little heat 
and then maple as my sweetness to just tinker with recipes when they need a little enhancement. Um, and, and then there's some recipes where they're savory in nature, but they have a little more sweetness as well. And one in, in particular is the maple pulled pork sliders mm. uh, with my soft buns. <laughs> and, you know, pulled pork is traditionally a little sweeter because there's usually a barbecue sauce, things that are very either corn syrup or granulated sugar heavy. Some people even put Coca-Cola in there, which I'm not, I'm not dissing at all. I think whatever, whatever your thing is and it's delicious, do it. But I use Vermont grade dark maple syrup in my maple pulled pork sliders. And it's delicious. I also use a Vermont IPA in it as well. Oh my gosh. So it's got all, it's got all our local goodness. But it is one of those recipes that really benefits from that wonderful depth of maple. And using the dark specifically not only brings sweetness, it brings the beauty of the maple flavor, which is slightly buttery. It's got very distinct notes to it that lend themselves so beautifully to pulled pork. Mm. Now, you just mentioned uh, the grade of syrup that you use. Uh, is that a consideration in, in all of your recipes or will will any maple syrup do? I do specify the grade that I use because sometimes you you want a little more depth of maple flavor in something. Um, and, and other times you just want to bring a little of the buttery sweetness to it. So I do specify in the recipes, but if you only can have only have one or the other, then feel free to use what you've got, whatever you've got in your pocket, as we, as we all do. <laughs> Well, listeners, if you are just tuning in, we are on the line this hour with Gazina Bullock Prado, a wonderful Vermont baker and chef. We're talking right now about sugaring seasons, sugaring season and recipes for this time of year. And we would love to hear the ways that you use maple syrup in your kitchen. Or if you make your own, how has it been going this year? Join the conversation. You can give us a call at 800-639-2211 or send an email to vermontedition at vermontpublic.org. Now, Gazina, speaking of savory sweet recipes, I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for not having you on before the Super Bowl uh, because some of your recipes are like perfect for that type of crowd. They're little small bites um, and things that you kind of think about uh, around the Super Bowl. But Oscars are coming up, so that's another good excuse to have a party. Uh, talk, uh, talk us through the buffalo wings that you have in your book. Well, surprise, surprise, they have maple syrup in them. Uh, and this time, Vermont grade amber. See, I told you, you I go. specify. <laughs> uh, and a little apple cider vinegar for the tang. And uh, some other secret ingredients that are very bakerly, some baking powder. What? Uh, some Frank's Red Hot, unsalted butter, Vermont Wait, butter, of course. Sorry, what does the baking powder do? So baking powder is both a tenderizer for meat, and it also helps crisp the skin. And, oh. and wings are one of those specific kind of things where you actually keep the skin on, and you want all the beauty that the baking powder can bring. So a lot of people use baking soda, but then you usually rinse it off because it's a tenderizer. But I add in both some chicken dishes and uh, roast chicken dishes, and with the buffalo wings, a little, a little hint of it so that it can do its, its magic. So it's not just for baking. Hmm. Uh, 
And it's one of those recipes where I specify two ways of cooking, depending on what you have. You can use an air fryer because it's very popular now and it's very simple to do, or you can do it in your oven. So you have both ways of doing it. But one thing that you have to use is the maple and it has to be Vermont maple. Hmm. How, how, how do you fall in the air fryer spectrum? I don't have one, but I've, I'm air fryer curious. Uh, I think it's fine. I think um, I enjoy using mine. I use it primarily for things like the wings. I use it to crisp up kale and Brussels sprouts. And I even do uh, cherry tomatoes in them to make Mm. it just beautifully juicy and with a little bit of char. So it has come in handy. And it's one of those things since I am a chef and I am asked to make, uh, develop recipes with the new and improved things that are out there. Um, I get to know these tools pretty well. And it's one of those things that I'm, I'm glad I have it. I use it enough that, um, it, it holds space in my kitchen happily. Mm. Well, one of the other spicy, or not just spicy, spicy, savory, sweet recipes that I have been drooling over in your book is the spicy maple kettle corn. I could probably eat like 10 pounds of kettle corn in a sitting if somebody doesn't stop me. I haven't had yours, but it it looks incredible. Um, Are you also a kettle corn addict like I am? I am. It's one of those, you know, it's so subtle what it's doing to you because you think, <laughs> oh, I'm just having a handful and you and blink hard. and the whole bowl is gone. Yes. And it's a very subtle sweetness. And maple, of course, is the best sweetness in the world. And then having a little spice in there makes you feel as if you maybe you're not being so um, elfish about it all, but <laughs> incredibly delicious, incredibly delicious. That sounds great. Well, listeners, we want to hear your favorite uses for maple syrup. Maybe it is a sweet recipe, a dessert, a waffle, a pancake, or maybe it's something savory like the ones we've been talking about with our guest, Gazina Bullock Prada. She's the author of My Vermont Table Recipes for All Six Seasons. It's a new cookbook that's just about to come out. Let's go to Mark and Barry. Mark, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, how are you? Hi there. Hey. So I just wanted to throw out there, um, I make a black walnut maple syrup ice cream. Wow. Tell me everything. Uh, Yeah, I use um, half and half. I use heavy whipping cream, um, all from Vermont dairy farmers. Um, I make my own maple syrup, and uh, I love the dark uh, that richness, that extra little flavor. And then with the black walnuts, it's, um, it gives it that little bit of bitter taste to it. Right. Um, I also use egg yolks and a touch of salt. Wow. And do you, do you have an ice cream maker, like an electric one? Are you hand churning this? How's it work? Uh, it's an electric one. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done the hand churning. I just can't wait that long. <laughs> Respect. Well, that sounds absolutely delicious, there. Mark. <laughs> um, Gazina, do you do you ever make maple based ice creams? Oh, do I? Do <laughs> I? Uh, in fact, my maple ice cream or creamy recipe is in the book, and uh, one of my favorite ways to use it. And I I do love using nuts in there. We actually have butternut trees, and I I will put a butternut into anything. Um, is my maple liege waffle. So think of an ice cream sandwich, but maple and with 
waffles that have chunks of maple sugar in them. Oh so maple cu- woods, maple cubes. Um, and Liege waffles are famous. you just like develop this story and do like an evil laugh in the back? Like I just picture you be like, more maple. It's amazing. More maple. But it is such a lovely way to explore maple in all its goodness because there are those beautiful compact maple cubes. And Liege waffles do have compacted sugar cubes in them naturally, not naturally, but (laughs) happily. (laughs) But I thought, why not use something even better? Why not use the cubes of maple? And Woods makes them and they're fabulous. And then just put two of those waffles and smash them with some maple creamy. And it's the best best snack ever. Oh, it's the best sandwich ever, quite frankly. And and a good reminder that you don't have to wait till summer for it to be creamy season. It could be maple creamy season any time of year. It is maple creamy season 24-7. <laughs> well, one of the other recipes that I really loved looking at in your book, Gazina, is the maple cider gummy bears. Um, and and oh. one of the things that I love about this book is that, um, you know, there's a lot of really like elevated, you know, dinner party ready um, dishes that you can make. But there's also just some kind of fun, silly recipes. There's like some hand pies that look at like hands. Um, and there's these maple cider gummy bears. Tell us about them. Well, I am gummy bear obsessed, maple obsessed, and I love, love, love Vermont boiled cider, the concentrated glorious stuff, which I will put in everything from cocktails to pies to gummy bears. And because I love all those things so much, I thought it would be the perfect thing to make a maple cider gummy bear. And they're so stinking cute. They're so easy to make. And they have a ton of flavor, which is fabulous. They like they pop with a little bit of that acidity of the concentrated apple cider. They have the warmth of the maple. And then they have that wonderful chew. And then the bears just stare at you. And they're just so cute. So <laughs> I really <laughs> so make you bad, feel bad eating them if they're so cute. Oh, heck no. Heck no. <laughs> Amazing. Well, well. Now that we're on the topic of desserts, let's really dive in. Um, I, there's okay. So there's one recipe that I really want to ask you about, but the problem is that I don't know how to pronounce it, or if I do attempt it, I'm gonna just butcher it. So I'm going to let you. Um, it is, and I'll see if you can guess it. It originates in Quebec, um, and the name translates to pudding the, the, Yes, the unemployed pudding man's pudding. Yes. Can you say it again and then tell us what it is? Pudding chamore. It is. <laughs> It is a cake that melts in your mouth. I almost think of it as like the northern version of tres leches, just with maple, maple, maple. And originally it was, if you follow the history of it, it was the poor man's cake. And they had used, I believe, brown sugar originally in it. And as things got better financially, uh, maple became the thing to use. And it's one of those cakes that is an alchemy all its own, Hmm. that when it bakes, it almost gets a custardy type layer in it. And it is so beautifully moist, but it has this wonderful play of textures and flavors that can't be beat. And then you top it with, of course, some maple ice cream. And then you've got this trifecta of of maple beauty. Mm, that sounds absolutely incredible. Is there any, it also sounds like maybe there are some places where a, a novice baker like myself could go wrong. Is, is there anything that, that people should keep an eye out for, particular instructions that are important with this one? 
Well, I think just the opposite. I think this is one of those where it is an e an easier recipe. I okay. can teach anyone to bake, but it but in that you don't have to do any fancy layering. It is in one container that you bake it, um, and that you just you know you just take your time, read through the directions trust your instincts and know that sometimes your oven is a big fat liar. And <laughs> if, if after 40 to 45 minutes, you feel the top of the cake and it's not feeling set, then, you know, keep baking a little longer. Ovens are liars. <laughs> now, Gazina, your new book is called My Vermont Table. It's about to hit bookshelves across the country. But I want to ask you about um, one of your earlier books from 2009, Confections of a Closet Master Baker. Um, it's in part about your your journey from the the West Coast to the East and how you built this life for yourself in Vermont. Um, what first brought you to the state? Uh, well, I fell in love with it, which I think is not an abnormal thing to happen when people come to Vermont. But my husband took me to his alma mater, Dartmouth College, and we were obviously in New Hampshire. And I thought it was charming, charming, charming. <clears throat> and then we drove across the Ledyard Bridge, across the Connecticut, into Vermont, and my heart just exploded. <laughs> I, there was something about this place that I, I just, I knew it was home. It felt like home. And we still lived in LA and we were courting at the time we were not yet married, but it was one of those things in the back of my mind. It was like, there is a place, there is a place that I feel that if, you know, when I'm ready to really, really find a, a true home, it's there waiting for me. And it, there it was that life didn't really begin until we started living in Vermont. Mm, I love that it was a bit of a love at first sight moment for you too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in this book, you talk a lot about um, getting to know this place you call home um, through through foraging and through gardening. And that shows up time and again in your book. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, if there's anything, if you're starting to do any any foraging or, or gardening yet, is it too early or, or are things already in the works for you? Well, we, right now we're, we're concentrating on the sugaring. That's That's what's happening at the moment. And it is a little too early to do the foraging, but when it's time, when those spring ephemerals start popping, there is nothing more exciting than to take a beautiful walk in the woods and to let your eyes get a little soft and just to bend down and just sweep over the forest floor with your eyes and look for morels. And in fact, I have them on our property and I'm not going to tell you where because <laughs> there's there's going to be a run on them. But I did, uh, I knew that they were here because they popped up by the chicken coop and, and my friend saw them and screamed in delight. And I thought if they are just hanging around the chicken coop, they must be in areas on our property where it is far more morale friendly. So I went and found morels in a huge patch and I'm not telling you where, but every year I go back there and it's just, I do a little jig because it makes me so happy. <laughs> I love that. Well, we have another call on the line from Deb in Montpelier, hopefully to share another maple syrup recipe or suggestion with us. Deb, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Um, so 
it's not a maple recipe really, but it's a recipe that I added maple to. I make my own bagels mm. and um, in place of a little bit of sugar in the recipe, I use maple syrup. And then bagels are typically boiled in water that's, that's got honey in it. And instead of the honey, I use maple syrup. Oh, wow. That sounds That's delicious. Lovely. It works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does work. Cause, you know, have you heard of using uh, maple syrup in bagels before, like Deb does? I, I mean, uh, I think it is the best swap out for anything that calls for a small amount of granulated sugar. I think it is just, I think it's just so right and natural to do. And I bet even more delicious. So how do you do the the conversion if something calls for, say, a, a two teaspoons of granulated sugar? Well, if it is something that is a very small amount, you can use pretty much the same swap out one to one, keeping in mind that maple is about 30 percent sweeter uh, than sugar. So if you're doing a one to one, it's going to be a little sweeter. But when it's a very small amount, it really won't be that um, it won't make that much of an effect. It will add exactly what it needs to do, which is adding that kind of seasoning that sugars do. And for browning effect, it will do both. Um, if it's larger amounts that's, that are called for, say, in a, in a sweet recipe, then you are just going to take into account um, how sweet it's going to end up being in the end. Though the lovely thing about maple, it has other flavor pro profiles that kind of um, take away from just the pure sweetness that would be like granulated sugar. Mm. But just you might want to pare back a little bit if you're going to do a swap out of in a, a sweet recipe, the maple sugar for granulated sugar. Mm. Well, we just got an email from um, Lee who writes, for several years, I sent my relatives in Colorado maple syrup for Christmas presents. One year, my brother told me not to send anymore because his family didn't like Vermont maple syrup because it was too mapley. They preferred the cheap sugary commercial syrup. I was shocked, but I finally decided more Vermont syrup for me. It's so funny he says that because I, I, I also grew up, you know, with the the kind of store brands, basically like corn syrup with some granulated yeah, sugar syrup. added. Um, and it was the 90s. So it was like light, L-I-T-E too, you know, like one third less sugar. And looking back, I'm like, oh, what a what a tragic, deprived childhood. I was oh, leading. The humanity. <laughs> oh, the humanity. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, that could really, that could really harm a familial relationship, could. but you know, it, that, you know, just deep breaths, <laughs> you might never look at them the same way again, but you know, yeah. I, I, I hope, I really pray for their relationship. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thoughts and prayers to Lee and his family. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> well, Gesita, um, I, I have to ask you now about what has to be the most spectacular looking recipe in your cookbook. I'm looking at it now. Um, it's, it's titled equally spectacularly. It's my birthday and I'll make my own cake if I want to, AKA maple chocolate baked Vermont. Can you tell us about this incredible looking cake? Well, I've already talked about my favorite ice cream, the maple creamy. So mm -hmm. that recipe is included in the book and in this cake. And then it's that creamy <clears throat> layered with chocolate cake and then surrounded by 
beautiful meringue that is toasted. And the way I built it, I built it in a cone. So it would be this beautiful spire mountainous thing of uh, lusciousness, but you can just layer it like a regular old layer cake. But it is one of those things that my birthday falls during sugaring season. And a lot, almost everyone says, I really hope someone else is baking your cake. And my response to that is, why would I let someone take away the great joy in my life <laughs> that is baking? I love to do it. Like, I want to be able to do that. So I'm I'm more than happy to make my own cake. And every year it tends to be a little different, but usually it does contain maple. Mm. Well, uh, if you're a fan of Great British Bake Off, this is definitely a showstopper cake. It looks majestic, and I, I'm going to try to get up the gumption to try to make one. Um, let's go to the phones again. And listeners, if you have a favorite maple syrup recipe you'd like to try or baking question, we have Gazina Bullock Prado on the line, author of My Vermont Table, Recipes for All Six Seasons. And our phone number is 800-639-2211. Let's go to AJ in Montreal. AJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, please go I'm ahead. Huge, I'm a huge maple syrup fan, and our family has two favorite recipes, one for the kids and one for the grown-ups, mm -hmm. and they are absolutely the simplest ever. So for the kids, it's maple snow, which is uh, our we, – we break it out the first snow of the, every season, and then whenever there's a really big snow – We'll just grab a scoop, pour warm maple syrup on it, and it's bottomless as long as the kids want it. <laughs> Sugar on snow. That is a classic. Sugar on, Sugar snow. on snow. <laughs> and what's, and the, the, what's the adult one, version? For the grown-ups, we do uh, a shooter. It's a, a sort of cocktail that we had once at a festival in downtown Montreal where we layer maple syrup, Cointreau, and half and half or cream in little shot glasses. And it's such a beautiful taste of the season and the place we uh we introduce it to all of our friends oh wow that sounds delicious oh oh that sounds amazing because <laughs> he is must getting in her car recipe. to drive to montreal right now for one of those. <laughs> <laughs> i must have that recipe so yeah sugar on snow is one of those things that is so fabulous and when i explain to people that here we have it with the raised donuts and with pickles, I mean, the expressions on their face are just incredulous. And I'm like, you you know what? Don't knock it till you try it because it is a magical combination. It really is. It's so much fun. I, I The pickles are my favorite part. I'm definitely a more savory person than I am sweet. And it's like the, the perfect combination to me. It, it really is. <laughs> well, um, I, I also want to ask you about a a um, again another slightly savory recipe that uses maple syrup, um, and it's the glazed carrots. Can you uh, can you use this recipe on, on kind of any type of of root vegetable, not just carrots? Oh yes, absolutely. Well, if traditionally, and it, I, I would say Thanksgiving tables when you have the glazed carrots. And it's made with most often granulated or brown sugar, but maple, of course, so much better. And you, it, it's just a matter of cooking time. So carrots, because of their particular shape, right? They cook at a very uh, particular rate. You can do them in a pan and they will cook evenly and rather quickly. So other root vegetables, you'll just have to prepare them in a way that allows you to get them fully, fully cooked 
and then glaze. So you'll often have to say parboil if you're going to use um, a sweet potato or something like that and make sure that it gets to just fork tender and then you can do the glazing. But the mm -hmm. carrots, they actually cook along with, along as, uh, along with the maple as you're glazing them. Mm. Well, let's. I want to pause here and ask you about the the craft of recipe writing as we're talking about sort of experimenting with some of these recipes. How many drafts does a recipe of yours typically go through? Like, how many times do you do you have to make something like a I don't know how many layers your birthday cake was, but you know, twenty nine hundred layer cake before it's ready to be put into a book. Um. Uh, oh, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah. some things it's interesting. If it's a family recipe, then it's already gone through a thousands, thousands of iterations uh, and testings. And for something, if it's just something strikes my fancy and I think, oh, I think I would love to develop something like that. It can take up to a hundred tests to get it right. And sometimes less, but you also have to put it out into the world and have other people try it as well. One of the great things about having a baking school is that a lot of these recipes I can, you know, my students have tested for me. Mm. And so I get this live testing environment where people are telling me, you know, what works well, what's confusing. Um, if the flavor profiles are a little off, if it's too sweet, not sweet enough. Um, and it's kind of this lovely way of having this conversation with my students and with other bakers and cooks about what they love and what they need in a recipe or what strikes them as missing, or what they find unusual and fantastic about it, which is really exciting when you introduce something to someone and they think, oh, like for instance, my goulash, it has just this beautiful flavor profile and I layer flavor on flavor on flavor. And if you look at the ingredient list, you, you might think that's a lot of stuff, <laughs> but every ingredient in there is a part of that symphony that is so wonderful. That's why I call it goulash-ish because <laughs> when I created it, it was just, I sat and I melded these flavors together. And, and of course it includes maple syrup. Of course. Um, and once I finished the recipe, I, you know, crossed the T's, dotted the I's, I was like, this is perfection. But I served this to a lot of friends <laughs> before I committed it to the manuscript. Is your husband over there like, no more goulash, Gazina? No please. more goulash. In fact, we're having some today. Oh, so there you have it. <laughs> there you we're, having, we're having the potato dumplings in the book. We're having um, the goulash and we're having the braised red cabbage of all of which have, I think, except for the dumplings, they all have a little maple in them. So should I be there at like 536? Yeah. What could I bring? Okay. You, you can smell the goulash down the street. <laughs> Well, let's go back to the phones. And listeners, if you have a maple syrup recipe you love to share, we would love to hear it. 800-639-2211 is the number to call. Let's go to Simon in Brattleboro. Simon, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey there. Um, I'm a local cheesemonger uh, at a shop down in Brattleboro. Um, and I just wanted to share my favorite pairing with maple syrup. Um, I love to pair it with like local Vermont cheeses, something soft like a triple cream. Um, but what's really nice is... Uh, you know, like a local cheese from Jasper Hill, there's Harbison, for instance, which is coated in spruce bark, helps bring out like the woodiness. Um, and that you get that little like sweet, salty 
Um, it's just amazing. But on that note, um, I also had a question I wanted to ask about um, in terms of like making your own infused maple syrup, for instance, if I wanted to do my own like rosemary infused maple syrup, um, how would you recommend going about that? Oh, great question, Simon. Gazina, what do you think? Well, you know, I've done it with hops. Um, and so what I have done is at the very early stages of evaporation, um, I have put uh, whatever it is that you're going to infuse it with, if it's herbaceous, in a cheesecloth and allow that to infuse that sap as it's first coming to temperature, allow it to infuse the whole um, syrup. But you want to take it out before it starts to thicken and get sticky because it can be a huge mess. But if you can get it to that stage where it is still kind of the very watery sap, have it in a cheesecloth so it's easy to take out. Um, that is the way that I would do it. And it would impart its oils early on and its flavors. Uh, and it might take some experimentation because you might need less, you might need more. Um, but for rosemary, it's a very strong flavor. So you might want to start with a smaller batch of everything. So, you know, a small amount of sap and a small amount of rosemary and then go from there. But I would start at the early stages of, um, the evaporation. Well, Gazina, before we're going to have to let you go in a few minutes, I, I do want us to take a moment to look ahead to spring. Now, I know we're supposed to be happy in the moment. Sugared season is lovely. It's a beautiful bluebird day out right now. But yes, I'm dreaming a little bit of spring already. And one of the recipes that really stuck out to me in your book, because the photo is just amazing, is a fiddlehead duck egg quiche with a gluten-free crust. Um, and these, the fiddleheads <laughs> are these little swirls uh, in the middle of the quiche. It's really beautiful. Can you talk us through the development of this recipe? Yes. Well, first, I got to say, all these beautiful photos were taken by my husband. So, oh, amazing. All credit to Ramo. Um, but fiddleheads are, ju are just so beautiful. They are so beautiful and they have such a lovely flavor. It is a matter of cooking them just right so they don't give you tummy trouble. So, that's one of the things that the recipe addresses that you get them nice and blanched before you actually put them into the custard that is kind of the quiche base. Mm. So making sure that you cook them correctly so that they cause no harm is number <laughs> one. Um, but the other thing is that they have such a beautiful, very specific flavor, a slight bitterness, a like an herbaceousness that really goes well with custard, something that kind of holds its hand and gives it a hug. Um, and then the gluten-free of it all, I think it's just really lovely to have an option for people who would love a buttery, flaky crust, but cannot have a traditional gluten-based crust. And it is so fantastic. And we're so lucky to have King Arthur flour on our side, providing these wonderful gluten-free flours that allow for bakes that can replicate gluten-full recipes beautiful. Beautifully. And that's why I did this one. I, I wanted something that showcases some of the most beautiful things of Vermont, but that kind of, you know, hold the hand of people who are really looking for recipes that allow them to cook for those who have celiac or are gluten intolerant in their lives. Mm. Well, Kazina, 
I can't let you go without asking you about a very important creature in your life, your pet goose mama. Um, and, and looking at the back of your book, you know, we've talked about your husband. I know you have a very loving and supportive family, a group of friends. But the creature that you have chosen to include in your author photo at the back of your book is your goose mama. Uh, how, would, how would you describe this goose of yours? She is just a bundle of love. A lot of people are frightened of geese because often they are attack geese and they're very territorial. But mama, I hatched her out and she became my number one friend, feathered friend. <laughs> and and she's the most loving, nurturing little thing. And I named her mama because all she ever wanted to do was hatch out some babies. <laughs> and so every spring, and we're heading up there, Speaking of spring ephemerals, she starts laying and only in the spring. And when she starts laying, she immediately gets broody, which is kind of unusual for domesticated fowl. And she will sit there and she does not have a boyfriend. And I try to explain to her every year that nothing will come oh. of the eggs unless unless she's secretly dating and has not. <laughs> uh, but I, I have um, I raise she and I together raised little ducks, female some some ducklings so she always has a family around her to take care of um but sometimes you know sometimes raising a family is too much so she wants to have some adult time so when i am gardening and weeding mama will come join me and help me weed and we'll have a little chat and she helps me you know just nibble up all the weeds that i don't need and yeah she's just the cutest <laughs> Well, Gazina Bullock Prado, chef, cookbook author, and the owner and baking instructor at Sugar Glider Kitchen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me and happy mud season. Happy mud season to you. <laughs> Gazina's new cookbook is called My Vermont Table Recipes for All Six Seasons. Now, we've been talking a lot this hour about recipes for maple syrup, but there are lots of other trees in the forest. New leaf tree syrups in Marshfield make syrup from a number of different tree species, and their CEO, Mike Farrell, joins us now to talk about how they do it. Mike, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Now, first, Mike, tell us about these different types of trees that you tap. What's on your list? Uh, there's a lot of different trees you can tap. The ones that we do are birch, beech, and walnut, um, in addition to our maples. Okay. So with walnut, we have butternut, which is also known as white walnut. Um, but a lot of people tap black walnut as well. Mm. And and how did you get into this business? Um, what 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 first led you here? Uh, well, I uh, I learned about maple syrup uh, when I went to grad school to study forestry. Um, I had, I had grown up on the fake stuff, like unfortunately most Americans. Mm -hmm. And um, but I learned about pure maple syrup, got really into it, and then wound up um, uh, getting a job running the Maple Research Center for Cornell University in Lake Placid. Oh, wow. And while I was there is when I started doing all sorts of research and educational projects on, on maple, but then also got really interested in the other trees, sats and syrups. And so um, it's been uh, it's been very interesting. Well, um, let's let's go through these different syrups, because, of course, maple is king, but there are um, lots of other trees that you can get sap from and boil it into syrup. And let's start with birch. Can you tell us a little bit about the process for that one and what it tastes like? Sure. Yeah. So birch tastes um, the most different 
than maple. Um, it is uh, a much more fruity molasses type of flavor to it, raspberry essence. Um, when It smells like raspberries when you're boiling it. It tastes nothing like maple. It should not be used like maple. <laughs> um, it's, it's more for uh, glazes and marinades, dressings. It's, it's definitely a recipe uh, in cooking rather than something you put on your pancakes and waffles. Mm. Um, it's not birch season yet. Um, it really, birch sap doesn't start flowing until the maple season is really pretty much coming to an end. There's there's usually about a week of overlap or so, but um, it's uh, we're probably at least a month away before we start uh, tapping our birch trees. Mm, okay, so is so is the tapping process very different? Um, like, say, if somebody has been tapping their maple trees and wants to try birch, for example, are they going to do the same thing? The tapping is just about the same. Yeah, I mean, you, you drill a hole in the tree, you either hook up, up to tubing or put a bucket on it or a bag, they collect the sap. And, um, you know, the the difference is, you know, how the sap flows, why the sap flows in the tree. But the actual process of collecting it is, is pretty similar. Mm, okay. So so let's move on here to beech. Tell us a little bit about the syrup that comes from a beech tree. Um. That's also a really unique syrup. It tastes more like maple, but it definitely has its own um, quality. It definitely has, uh, a lot of people describe it as more like a raisin or fig type of flavor to it. Hmm. Um, And uh, the big difference with beech is that if you just go to, you know, put a bucket hanging on a tree or or something, you're not going to get any sap. Uh, The only way you get sap on a beech tree is if you hook it up to a, the vacuum tubing system that's used to collect maple sap and almost all the commercial maple operations. So if you have, if you have vacuum tubing, it can draw the sap, um, you know, basically draws the the ground, all sap from any tree starts out as groundwater and the vacuum allows you to uh, collect the sap, you know, it comes out of the, the groundwater to the roots into the tree, picks up, a little bit of sugar and all the different minerals and stuff that's in the sap, and um, and then you're able to boil it down. But uh, you know, people can't just go into the backyard to the beech tree and you know put a hole in it and hopefully some sap comes out. Okay. You really have to have the right type of system to do that. That one takes a little more prep. And and what about walnut? Uh, walnut is very similar to maple in both flavor and. Um, and and the sap flow mechanism it, it requires the freeze thaw. So walnut trees are running this time of year just like the maples do. Um, same days you get maple flow, you get walnut flow pretty much. And um, the only the two big differences there are that you don't get nearly as much sap. Um, so you might get you know 10 to 20 percent as much sap out of out of your walnut tree as you do out of a maple. Um, and also there's tends to be a lot of pectin in the sap. So it makes filter. If you want to make walnut jelly, that's great. Mm. If you want to make walnut syrup, yeah, you definitely have to filter out the pectin. Oh, okay. Because otherwise the, the consistency won't be quite right. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's more like a jelly, which, okay. which is great. I mean, if, and if you like jelly and you want to have a um, peanut butter and walnut jelly sandwich. Oh, you don't even have to filter it. Oh, that sounds good. But if you want to, you know, pour something over your maple syrup, that might not be your best. Bet. Yes, 
or over your uh, over your pancakes. I'm already I'm filling in maple syrup here. (laughs) So actually, uh, on that note, because you know maple syrup is the the dominant syrup, um, do you ever like what what kind of education do you have to do for folks? You know, to explain that you know these are other great options that you know taste a little bit different, but um, are just as good, if not better, in, in certain recipes. Yeah, sure. I mean, people are always intrigued that uh, most people don't know that you can even get um, sap out of a different tree besides a maple. So um, that's the first thing is just educating people that some trees do produce sap in the spring, others don't. You can then, you know, you explain why maple became the dominant one, why maple is king. And and the reason why maple is the most commonly used one is because, first of all, maple is one of the most common trees in the forest. There's more maple than, than any of the other species. And that produces the most sap and the sweetest sap. Mm. And it makes delicious syrup. So, of course, let's tap all the maple we can. <laughs> right? Um, there are, you know, like, you wouldn't have done birch to syrup in the past because the sugar content is so low in the sap that it's, it's so difficult to get sap into syrup without modern evaporation technology with reverse osmosis and, you know, more efficient ways of processing it. And, um, and people just didn't really know about walnut. Um, and of course with beech, you couldn't do it in the past unless you had vacuum tubing, which, you know, wasn't around, you know, for most of the time we've been, uh, collecting maple sap. So there's a good reason why we've maple became the dominant species for, uh, for sap and syrup production. But, you know, with with recent technology and, you know, advances in what we've learned about how the best ways to do things, there's certainly a lot of other species you can you can do. Well, before we wrap up, I want to make sure we sneak in a recipe or two. And Mike, on your website for um, New Leaf Tree Syrups, I saw a bunch of different recipes using some of these non-maple syrup products that you make uh do you do you have a favorite recipe you want to tell us about um well just the way that i i mean i love our our sweet birch syrup we um just like there's different types of maple syrup you know you have the golden or it's in vermont called the fancy all the way to the very dark that you're using more for cooking um the flavor of birch syrup varies tremendously um based on the time of the year the sap is collected and how it's processed and boiled down into syrup. And we use steam evaporation um, so it doesn't scorch the sugars. And we can make a, a really light-colored, fruity syrup that we, we describe as sweet birch syrup compared to the sap that comes in later in the season when the sap is starting to sour. And that makes more of a tangy flavor. So we, and we describe that as a tangy birch. So, so to take birch syrup as an example... My absolute favorite way to have um, sweet birch syrup is just a little drizzle on vanilla ice cream. The, the raspberry notes of the, of the of the birch really come through, and it's just it's just an amazing combination. Oh, that's whereas dope. with you know with the, yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, and but oh, I, I am going to have to jump in there, and I think we should end on this high of syrup on top okay, of ice sure. cream, which sounds incredible. <laughs> Mike Farrell, the co-founder and CEO of New Leaf Tree Syrups in Marshfield. Thanks so much for telling us about your products. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on.
All right, that is it for today's show. We hope you're as hungry as we are and have some access to some maple syrup you can try out. You can check out the Vermont Public Instagram page to weigh in on our show. Today's show was directed by James Stewart and produced by Tedra Meyer. Our call screener was Kelly Delorier. I'm Michaela Lafrac. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again soon. It's a minute before one o'clock. Vermont Public is supported today.